You were born with individual strengths and a unique purpose. Don't let fears, false beliefs, or life's happenings diminish your influence. It's time to live and lead for impact. Host Kirsten Ross, expert of transformation, will help you defeat the drama and overcome the trauma that can stop you in your tracks. You'll gain focus, find confidence, and take bold action. Unleash passionate, purposeful you. Let's go. Welcome to Live and Lead for Impact. I'm Kirsten Ross, your host, and this is episode 217. And I have a great guest today. I'm really looking forward to learning more about his business because he's making a really important impact in the world. His name is Chris Hall, and Chris is the co-founder and chief product officer of Otis, a Chicago-based ed tech company. After 13 years as an educator, Chris wanted to minimize the chaos of disconnected tech tools for K-12 administrators, educators, students, and their families. Otis is one system to teach, grade, analyze, and plan. With Otis, school leaders can focus on student learning, not technology. So welcome, Chris. Excited to be here this morning. Yeah, I'm so happy to have you. It's funny. So just personally, I am so intrigued by this because as a parent and now empty nester who had to deal with, you know, that end of ed tech and trying to figure out like homework assignments and all that kind of stuff and, and kind of keep track of the grades for my kids. And then I'm from a family of educators and then some over many years. So I get that side too. Um, I'm really uh, looking forward to hearing more about your work. Yeah, definitely. I think that as you just articulated the the lack of insight sometimes you have as a parent is pretty is pretty unbelievable. I have four kids myself, very young. You just mentioned you're an empty nester, but it's getting insight from a seven, eight year old, I think is just as difficult as getting it from a 17 or 18 year old. Just what is happening in school? They don't really want to talk to you about it after a long day of learning. Exactly. Boy, and I think back to my days when my kids were in low, lower elementary, <laughs> my youngest in particular, you know, before they have that executive functioning uh, kind of solid, uh, I, I spent pretty much, you know, I would pick them up and we'd walk into the room and we would empty out the crumpled paperwork from the backpack, pull out the crumpled stuff from the desk. And the teacher would, oh, she was so great, but she would sit with us and try to help me make sense. <laughs> Between the two of us, we figured out what needed to be turned in and what needed to be done for the night. So yeah, a more seamless process would be amazing. So tell me a little bit more um, about specifically the impact that you're working to make in the world. Yeah, so I was formerly a teacher. I taught for 11 years, a seventh and eighth grade social studies teacher. And I was lucky enough, you know, a long time ago, about a, over a decade ago in 2010, I helped bring one device to every kid. And I thought this was going to really change. I thought that was going to be the impact I was making on the kids in my classroom, helping to maximize the learning for each and every one of them. I had almost 150 students. But what I quickly learned during the rollout of this one-to-one -one initiative was it actually caused more chaos adding these devices without a system or process in place. And so I was lucky enough at that point to start Otis to really try to organize technology for educators, but also for the families involved. It um, Otis actually stalls for or stands for organizing technology for us because in many ways, as you just described with your, your son's backpack situation, when you add technology to that situation, instead of crumpled papers falling out of the backpack, 
you now might have assignments or st uh, documents that are in four or five different places on the internet. And they're even harder to find than in, when they're in your backpack. And so we really are looking to bring efficiency to the student and teacher relationship by making that more efficient, by taking away some of those frustrations of like, what am I supposed to do? When am I supposed to do it? By making that more apparent, we can then focus on the skill that's most important, which is developing learning, right? Developing the ability to think and read and to write critically and independently. And that that takes time and effort. I think one of the, the lessons I learned as an educator was learning is difficult. And it, it takes time and effort. But if we're wasting time and effort just getting to the learning, we can run out of steam to really maximize what we're trying to achieve. So at Otis, we want to really focus on that teacher-student relationship to make it as uh, worthwhile as possible, as seamless as possible, so that the teachers and students can really get down into the learning which is going to be where they put their effort. I love that because, again, I am here just so many visuals of <laughs> these memories are coming back to me, like when my youngest was in high school and he was having some learning challenges and – I was the parent who was trying to help him navigate to the assignments, to the information, to the agendas even, and um, yeah, not a good system, things like which goes where and different folders, and, um, and you know, I know the intentions of the teachers were good, but they were struggling just as much on the other end to keep everything organized and seamless, you know, for the students and parents, and so is there a, so thank you so much for, uh, I think you've done a great job of describing on both ends the frustration and yeah man I'm an efficiency junkie too so I love <laughs> please help make it easier on both sides but is there an, a specific experience uh, that really motivated you or like sparked that fire of uh, had you have that call to action like this needs to be, be fixed and I'm the one yes I, I never don't know about ever thinking I'm the one but there were there are definitely a couple key moments one of them was I was in we called them problem solving meetings where, where I taught, which was at Elm Place Middle School in, in Highland Park, Illinois. I was in a problem solving meeting. And the purpose of this meeting is to identify students who might be struggling. And it's to kind of problem solve what can you do to help them overcome the obstacle that's in front of them. Maybe it's um, late work. Maybe they're struggling at reading. Maybe they're having some behavior issues. It can be really a wide gambit gambit of things. And I was the seventh grade leader for our team. And so that meant that we were in a group where the uh, English teacher, the math teacher, um, the PE teacher, we were all present. And we were trying to figure out what do we need to do to help these kids. And there was always a list going around. And there was this moment in the meeting where we were talking about one of the students and all of a sudden there was like eight or 10 of us in the room and each of us had a different website up to look at a different part of the kid. So somebody had their grade book open, somebody had the system we were tracking their behavior in, somebody had a different system to look at how their attendance was. Then a couple teachers were looking at their notes or their clipboards or maybe even post-its about like recollections or narratives about the student to kind of understand who they were. And I think educators understand no one number, no one anecdote, no one score is going to give you the complete understanding of a kid. It's important to really get to know them. When you can connect to a student, you can really unlock what they have inside. When we think of our best teachers, that's often the teacher who knows us best. But we're in this meeting trying to understand the student best, and his information is scattered across all these different systems. 
And we really didn't have great insight. We had um, we had the seventh grade information, but it was kind of like to look at historically, we really, going back just to sixth grade, he was in our building. One of the teachers actually had the student. We didn't really have a complete picture of where he was just six months ago. And really what that really articulated to me was there is this missing piece. Every other industry seems to have it. If we look at the medical industry, we have this like medical history where you have a pretty, all your test results are in the same profile. You can kind of get to them. Or if you're in the marketing industry, you might have like a CRM, which is collecting all this information about a client so that you can articulate what's happened in the past, what's happening now. And it really was this amazing moment where it took us 15 to 20 minutes just to get the information about a student. And that meant we only had like 10 minutes to problem solve. And it's like, why are we wasting so much time pulling the information together? And so really, that's what we try to set out to do at Otis is we, we've replicated some of the tools of the teaching and of the grading to measure where a student is. But then we put it all into the same profile so that you can analyze it more efficiently and effectively so that you can plan what to do to maximize that kid's learning and progress monitor things, not just in a classroom or in a single class, but you can do it across their entire time in your district so that there's visibility by stakeholders not just for the last couple months, but they can see their entire time in the district. Because maybe a second grade teacher had unlocked something. We want that 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 secret piece of information to travel with the kid so it's not a mystery to discover for each future teacher. So great. Again, here I am thinking back to me pulling out my youngest son's, all of his progress and report cards all the way back to, and you know, I had not kept them organized. I wasn't anticipating really needing them other than, hey, this will be neat to look at someday. (laughs) But all of a sudden it became data that I was trying to collect to, you know, to analyze and figure some things out. And yeah, I had them in some bins in my basement, (laughs) you know, mixed in with the art projects and all that kind of stuff and didn't have all of them. But um, yeah, uh, how important. And I and I love this. So as you think back, and how long has this been available now? So I'd say we really became available in 2017. So in 2013, we were having a free version for teachers and students because we really wanted that interaction to be done well. And then we had pilots for administrators in 2015 to 2017, where we were doing the same thing, really looking to make sure that our our UX, our workflow, our ease of use was was there. It's really important to be easy to use because otherwise no one uses it. And if it, yeah. no one uses it, you're not going to have that efficiency that you want. So I'd say 2017 is a really the short answer to my long answer is 2017 is when it became available. Great. So I love it. And I am going to want to learn more now about how far reaching it is at this point. But as you think back now, I think it's so important to think about a change or a significant impact that we've made to fuel our own passion. You know, especially for you, um, I, I can imagine that you're moving through red tape bureaucracy and school districts and things like that to try to make your difference. And while you're Uh, you know, coming against friction or challenges, we need that fuel of passion to, to, you know, have the tenacity to keep going. So what is one story that really fuels that passion for you when you think back about an impact that this has made for a district or a student or a teacher? Yeah, I think it actually came from from the pandemic just this year. The one that is really coming to mind is we had one of our districts who had been been onboarded. And I think change is one of the things that we struggle with most, not, not at Otis, but I think just in life. Oh yeah. You know, humans do not like that. 
you know, changing something for a district, for a group of people, change management can be really something that is challenging. And we had a district who in the early part of the spring, so I guess the spring of 20, my 2020, the spring of 2020, when the pandemic just hit, they kind of went in and they kind of were using the tools that they had available. And then they decided they were going to make a change for the fall and they were going to implement Otis. And I remember during the first, for the first week or two, there was, I had meetings with the district leaders and with some of the teachers and there were just pain points of like, well, why do you do it this way? Or why is it happening like this? And it was like, well, we had reasons, right? We I'm like, well, we're doing it this so that we're capturing the information. I'm like, you are spending an extra five minutes to start, but it's going to save you hours at the end. You know, it's like, and they're like, well, you know, not seeing that payoff, it can be really hard. So we have these in our system, we can give lessons. So it's like a series of playlists for kids. But then we also have a really robust number of assessments. So like tests or quizzes or projects, you name it, you can do it in notice. But we really like to have a little bit of those front loaded with information tied to like, what skills are we working on? What are the goals? And by putting that information in, which can take an extra five minutes, all of a sudden, months later, it'll come to your advantage. And I remember having this conversation with the district leader, and they were, they were saying, man, we're getting pushback. The pandemic has so much on teachers. And I do want to emphasize, like, my sister is a, a special education teacher, very close with her. Um, I have a sister-in-law who's a, a teacher as well. The, the pandemic really put teachers really a lot of pressure on them and teachers were just absolutely incredible. I always mm -hmm. like to shout out teachers just for how much they were doing. And I, I talked to a couple of them from this district and they were like, look, I am just at my limit because of what I'm being asked to do. Zooming live into in the rooms. Several of them have kid, kids of their own. It's like this balancing work was just absolutely incredible. And I was explaining, I'm like, look, it will pay off. You know, I know it's an extra five minutes and every minute seems to be paramount right now but it'll the time saver will be worth it. And so we really got the buy-in of the admin. They're like, okay. And I was like, look, within a month, you're going to see this huge payoff. And what ended up happening was about a month later, all of a sudden other districts, because of the state of California, they had to share what they were doing. The, the state wanted visibility into what was happening. And one of the things that Otis allows to happen is that visibility can just be printed off by the admin. So the teacher's didn't have to do anything else. All that front end work, all of a sudden the admins could just run a couple of reports and notice and they could be like, yeah, we're accountable. And all of a sudden what ended up happening was a neighboring, teachers love to talk, a neighboring teacher was complaining to someone in this district about how they had to fill out all these audit logs and it was taking hours of their time. And I had one of the teachers I had talked to send me an email and they were like, you were right. You've saved me hours by the first couple minutes, you know, the first couple times spending a couple minutes. And it was just knowing that. And then I kept in touch with that district. I'm very, we really want feedback. So we work closely and we just had this refrain of, we helped make the pandemic, which was just a whirlwind and, and impacted so many people in so many ways. We made it a little bit more manageable and we made it focused more on the learning than on the administrative tasks. And it was just great to hear, not just from the district I mentioned in the story right now, but also, you know, we're in California, we're in Idaho, we're in Michigan, we're in Illinois, we're in New York, we're, we're across the country. 
and hearing these feedback, you know, it wasn't always the first couple of weeks of school. I think the first couple of weeks of school for everybody was like, pull your hair out. But the moments of afterwards, the thank, you know, thank you for making it possible. It was a hard year, but you guys made it manageable or thank you. You made it, you know, I was able to focus on learning here. And it was, that's what really matters. And, and hearing students and families and districts say that is, is really, is really inspiring and also uh, energizing. That's wonderful. And yeah, I don't think any teachers get into the profession to do administrative work and fill out reports. So yes, let's capture as much of their time and their areas of passion, which also happens to be in the area that can serve our students best too. So that's great. I love it. Um, so where all uh, are you? So you shared where you're located now. Um, what are some of your next efforts to roll out more? Is it more in just getting word out or, you know, do you already have the yeah, capacity? Yeah, we definitely have the capacity. We're in over like 200 districts across the country. And we're, again, one of the biggest things we have is our districts who are using us, we, we offer kind of, um, you can expand your growth. And people who were using us before really expanded to use all of Otis. Otis is pretty, um, there's a lot to Otis if you want there to be a lot, and there's a little if you want there to be a little. So we really grow with you depending on what you want to do. And some of our districts really expanded their use. It's been amazing to see. We've added a ton of districts this year who know going into next year um, they're going to need to be measuring learning loss, tracking learning loss, knowing where their kids are at. So we've really seen nice growth, but we, we can definitely grow more. Um, we've definitely have our, uh, we are aiming high to how much we want to do. So we really can encourage people to join at any time. Parts of Otis can be joined at, you know, middle of school. We have this really cool feature called plans, which is progress monitoring. That's something that you could use for Otis at any point. You don't have to do it just at the start of school. You could join in the fall or the winter. And we're really expanding in the United States, trying to get into every state. We're in almost 40 states right now. But then we're also beginning to look a little bit internationally, and it's really just about getting people to know about Otis, to understand what Otis can do. One of the challenges we've had with Otis is we we don't do what a lot of traditional ed tech companies do. We're not – we kind of spread the gambit. We're like in a couple different areas where we have the tools of an LMS, a learning management system, but we also have the tools of a data warehouse and really, it's become like, hey, are you a data warehouse? You're almost like, we're actually something different. We actually bridge both. And we want to bring everything together, this assessment, this LMS. And we've really found the best way to articulate that is to talk about how we can help you teach. We can help you grade, which is the measuring of learning. We can help you analyze, which is this data warehouse aspect. And then we have this progress monitoring tool, which is really meant for every kid. Because we need to be monitoring the progress of every student not just the students who might have IEPs or 504s. We really want to bridge that so that we can be monitoring the progress of every student that is in, in, in schools. Well, and I'm wondering too, does it also help facilitate, because I feel like um, it's so much harder now, again, time constraint, not uh, the intent of the teachers, but to really teach two different, you know, so you have some people who are, you know, some students who are struggling a bit and might be on that 504 or IEP. Um, you have the middle of the road. And then what about the gifted children as well? So um, how to meet the needs of all students and kind of be able to identify that versus someone like popping onto the radar of an individual teacher. It sounds like it would help with that as well. Yeah, for sure. And that's, and that was, again, that goes back to the story I first told about how I realized there was a pain point. It's like when you're problem solving any student, and that can be, when you say problem solving, I think you mentioned something in your, in your question that's really important is it could be, 
hey, this student needs to be pushed more. This student needs to be really, yeah. you know, push it. Well, that's still a problem you're trying to solve. And the idea is like, we need to be able to identify what is this student struggling with and let's help them overcome it. Maybe it's a little bit of complacency or maybe it's something where they're um, struggling to be engaged. And it's like, they're doing fine. It's not like they're they're failing, but they're not engaged to the level we want. And we want to be able to monitor every kid in a way that's not overwhelming. My sister, as I, I said, is a special education teacher. It can take her two, three hours to update an IEP because of all the state and federal rules and regulations around it. That's not going to be feasible for every kid. You know, I had 150 students. I didn't have two, three hours every couple weeks for it just wasn't there, right? I needed to I needed to be more efficient with my time. But if you had something like Otis, you'd be able to be monitoring the progress of all your kids in ways that are just really efficient. A lot of people will use like Google Sheets now, or I, people have like to-do lists, or they have clipboards or Post-its. And it's just putting that into a place that then you can articulate it from one grade level to the next, from one teacher to the next. That's great. So uh, yeah, I'm really excited about this. So Tell me, what has been your personal, uh, you know, the big, biggest internal or external challenge that you've had to overcome? And how did you overcome it? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think that internally, one of the challenges we had was growth. So we had to really rethink how we organized our delivery team. So we went from about 10 to 12 developers to now we're close to 40. And the way you work with, you know, a small group of, you know, 10 to 12 is, is very different. And so we had a complete reorganization of our delivery team that we actually completed this January. And it was really an amazing experience because we knew where we wanted to get to. So we had an end in mind, but we getting there, we didn't want the leadership group of us. We have an amazing CTO. His name's Corey. We have an amazing, you know, director of QA. We have these great people. We have engineering managers. Um, they're just awesome. And we, we as a leadership group knew where we wanted to go, but we really didn't want to just make everything top down. And so we really, because some of the details and processes, we really wanted to be owned by our different teams. So what we ended up doing is we took our one delivery team and we actually split them into smaller teams. And we have run each of those as like a startup. And it was really an amazing opportunity to deal with some of these growth pains of how do you go about having collaborative work? Because once you have too many, you know, too many hands in the kitchen or too many chefs in the kitchen, it can become problematic when you're developing code. And so by splitting apart, by defining the responsibilities of each team, we we're able to internally now be in a much better spot we now have 40 people. We could grow. Um, the teams are really flourishing. We have amazing leadership on those teams that's really been self-grown. We had somebody in our organization who, um, her name's Anna. She she started with us as a developer, and now she's a leader of our assessment team. It's really amazing to see that type of just growth personally. And so it's been a great opportunity to see people take on responsibility. We have people who have taken on responsibility of different parts of our code. So we have like front end and back end and people have really emerged as leaders in each of those different spaces. And it's really just a credit to the team. But 
it all came from this internal friction. We identified the pain points and we kind of knew where we wanted to go. And that was probably the biggest one we overcame. And we overcame it by really listening to the feedback by the team, the team members, synthesizing that into a way that we could really boil it down to what what is more difficult than it should be? That's like the question I always ask myself, what is more difficult than it should be? And then we really tried to find that North Star so that we could then progress to a solution that put us in a better spot. And then we'll continue to iterate throughout the process to always be getting better. Well, I am just over here applauding, you know, not not so that people can hear it, but in my mind, <laughs> because as someone who helps uh, small to medium sized businesses overcome the friction that happens while scaling, um, I am love the process that you've used. And it sounds like you're, uh, you know, listening, which is kind of the number one thing, but, uh, and it sounds like you have a wonderful culture that's really focused on problem solving, being creative with that and really elevating people around their strengths, which sounds like you're doing a lot of great work with the team as well and culture. So I just really want to applaud that. No, I mean, I think that's really a credit to the team, right? And I, again, I think that's culture. That's one of the things that educators realize. And I, something I came to notice later is educators, that is what they do. Educators are really like running a startup from day one. You're bringing a culture to your students. You're establishing this culture. And that good culture of a classroom can really lead to an amazing year. And that's really what, you know, that mindset of building a culture of transparency, of respect, and of striving to be your best really is what has allowed us to grow and adapt and to change. That's great. Well, I will tell you, I'm still going to celebrate and I hope you do too, because lots of business owners don't get it. And so I'd love to hear that. um, Yeah, the culture and that's exactly it. It is leaders who create that culture either intentionally or kind of accidentally. And, and most really focus on you know the work and the outcomes and the you know whether it's a product or a service that they're selling and they kind of muscle their way through and and end up with a culture that isn't necessarily aligned so they end up calling me when things are going awry and there's lots of friction so I love that uh, with intention that you're designing that culture that's really aligned with uh, the work that you're doing and and the outcomes that you're working to achieve and it's really awesome to hear that uh, you know kind of the the focus on that comes from the work that uh, that you guys are doing in the classroom. So that's amazing. Um, so what words of wisdom do you have for others who want to make their own impact in the world? Maybe they're just getting started. Yeah, I think that the words of wisdom are not even my own, but they're just people who I've come to really appreciate in my life. And that that is really to um, take things one day at a time and to understand that mistakes are going to happen but it's about learning from your mistakes, but also being able to reflect and to understand that some things are kind of outside your control. And uh, the the biggest thing is to focus on what you can control and as, and as, small, as small, small action steps or small improvements mean so much. And, and just being able to focus on things that are impacting you or your families or the people you care about and then trying to just make them a little bit better. It really will allow you to, to accomplish a lot. And I really like looking at the question that I had mentioned just previously is like, what is more difficult than it should be? And focusing in on just what is more difficult than it should be, and then trying to make that whatever has been identified a little bit better. And understanding that your North Star is if you make things a little bit better every day, you're going to be you're going to be progressing well, and it's going to make things really worthwhile when you see that improvement over time. Yeah, I really like that. uh, Those words of wisdom, because 
too often, I think we can get overwhelmed by the breadth, the volume of the work involved in, you know, making what we want to make happen. It's this big, big work. But if you can just break it down, just focus. Don't let the weight of the full, you know, all the actions sit on your shoulders today, you know, or in your brain space even. Just focus on what you can do now. And I love how you put, like, just focus on what's harder than it should be and make those small tweaks. Because I think if you can break everything down, there isn't overwhelm. And, you know, we don't want you feeling overburdened or, um, you know, kind of paralyzed by, by uh, too much to do, uh, just take it a step at a time because uh, the world needs the impact that you're working to make as well. So thank you, Chris, so much for, uh, for spending time with me and for sharing all that you've shared and for the amazing work that you're doing. I'm, I am really excited and I hope that you end up in many more schools. I know that, uh, that everyone will benefit. Do you have any final parting words as we end for today. No, if anybody is interested in learning more about Otis, you can check it out at otis.com, O-T-U-S.com. That's Organizing Technology for Us. And it's really just, I just really appreciate the conversation and getting to know you a little bit. You have such a wonderful podcast. I've been listening to several And I really hope your audience enjoyed the conversation today. Oh, I'm sure they will. Absolutely. And yes, uh, if you want to get in touch, like he said, go to uh, Otis, O-T-U-S dot com. And these links, along with uh, social media and other links for getting in touch with Chris, will be on today's show notes. And you can find those by going to DefeatTheDrama.com. Click on the podcast tab and go to episode 217, and you'll find all the information there, uh, just in case you're not able to write something down while you're listening. So take care, everyone. Get out there, make your impact. Just bite off tiny pieces and keep moving. Um, The world's waiting for your impact. So thanks again, Chris. Have an amazing rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you.